We've had a couple of interruptions in this uh, series that was uh, calculated to be the month of May. It'll be the month of May and half the month of June now, but that's okay. Um, our families are worth it. I would like to today uh, accomplish nothing more but go over some literature that you can use in family devotions and talk about the way in which that can be used. Am I overwhelming you with this thing? Not too loud? It seems loud to me. I guess because we have so many speakers today. <clears throat> I simply want to go over some literature and then when you get up from today's lesson, I expect you all to walk back to the literature table and to pick up whatever you think you need because tomorrow is going to be a big day in the life of Covenant Community Church. As tomorrow we're all going to commit ourselves and whatever our family size, location, whatever the time of day may be, tomorrow Monday, the 22nd of May, is going to be the day that every family in Covenant Community Church has devotions as a time of worship together. And if that's not your ordinary um, procedure, if that's not something you habitually do, tomorrow's going to be the first day of that cycle, and you're not going to give up. I'm going to stick with you. You're going to be getting anonymous calls saying, are you doing family devotions? I want you to start tomorrow, everyone, okay? I'm, I'm not going to do it the fundamentalist way. We're not going to raise our right hand and make the promise. But I will ask anyone who will not make that commitment to leave right now. <laughs> tomorrow, everyone is going to do family worship. And if you say, well, I don't have the literature, I don't know how to do it, I've already told you some of the, uh, the outline and plan parts of family worship, and today we're going to supply the literature that you need as well. I'll start with families that have little ones, okay? It's uh, probably not the easiest thing in the world to keep a um, child's attention, but you can um, help, uh, I think, a lot by turning in the Bible to stories in particular. Uh, if you think about it, a good portion of the Bible, in fact, the vast majority of the Bible's history. There are books like uh, Proverbs and Psalms in the Bible, and they're very valuable. I'm not at all um, deprecating them or subordinating them. However, for the sake of a child's mind, you will find that going over redemptive history is very valuable. There is a series put out by Zondervert entitled The um, Book of Life. And if I have it right, there are 22 volumes in it, and they're, they're fairly large volumes. Um, very colorful, lots of pictures and so forth. In fact, uh, my wife and I have been working for a number of years on a running theological commentary and, and review sheets to accompany the Book of Life so that um, we can use it in our Christian school movement. Uh, the elementary school right now at Newport Christian Schools has as its Bible uh, curriculum uh, the Book of Life that goes through Old Testament and New Testament history with the uh, commentary that is being supplied. Now when that is available, the commentary, then of course that's also very usable in families for devotions. But even before that becomes available, probably be another six months or so before a publisher um, has that in hand, even before we have that, the Book of Life itself, uh, I think the 22nd volume is indexed, so 21 volumes, or maybe it's 22 and the 23rd is an index, but there's over 20 volumes of material there that you could be using in your home. Um, the one drawback, 
the Book of Life is that the material is not for preschoolers. It, it is a little more advanced than that. But there are books such as the one I have in my hand, Giant Steps for Little People by Kenneth Taylor, uh, translator of the Living Bible. We're not going to hold that against him here. In which he goes over the Sermon on the Mount and the Ten Commandments um, in a colorful, uh, picturesque way so that um, you can instruct your children from God's Word. Um, actually, the book that I had wanted to display for you, we don't have here, but there's also, um, what is the title of it? It's also put out by Kenneth Taylor, it, uh, The Bible and Picture for Little Eyes, thank you. And uh, it is really, um, we found in our family very easy to use. The kids uh, learned the pictures and they knew the stories that went with them. We went over about two or three times while they were growing up and uh, then finally graduated to another book, perhaps the best known in reform circles, uh, Catherine Boss's The Child's Story Bible. And uh, this uh, may be used for somewhat older children, second grade and above, I would suggest, through elementary school. And um, what you would want to do is take a story a day. Now, you've got to look ahead and see how long the stories are and make sure you have enough time to finish them. But here I'll give you an example. Chapter 2, How the World Began, is an explanation of Genesis 1, and it's two pages about this size with fairly large print. Nice thing about the, the Voss Story Bible is that not only can you read it to your children, but in time they'll be able to read it as well. And uh, you may want to read, the, uh, increase their reading skills by having them participate around the table at Family Devotions too by asking them to read, and they can ask you questions just like you're going to ask them. And that uh, reminds me, when you do use books like these, don't simply read the story and then say, well, we've put in our time, Let's pray and we'll go. You need to follow up the story by making sure that what God wants us to learn from the story is being picked up by your children as well. Sometimes that's going to challenge you. You're going to say, I'm not really sure why this is in the Bible. Although in books like this you get pretty standard fare. It won't be that difficult. But uh, that's all right. Uh, I think your children can learn something even on those days that you read a story and you say, you know, I'm really not sure how to answer this question or what this is about. And I'm going to do some research and find out. Do not give the impression to your children that if you don't understand the Bible, it's a big mystery anyway and we'll just let it go. Tomorrow maybe we'll understand. No, what you want to say is you're going to do some research and if that means you have to during the day call uh, one of the elders or one of your pastors and ask them, you need to give me some help, do that. But anyway, ask questions of your children. Uh, first of all, questions for review. You have to do that to make sure they're still listening. You say, what happened in the story here? Well, you know, why did so-and-so do what he did or she did and so forth? But then you want to go beyond that and find out what this teaches us, especially about Jesus Christ. Um, one of the biggest uh, problems that we've seen in the evangelical Christian church over the last couple hundred years is a moralizing of Bible stories, turning them into nothing more but illustrations of you know, how to be a good little boy or girl. Now the Bible does teach us ethics, and so I don't agree with those people who say we should never moralize. Uh, there are moral lessons in the Bible, and some of the lessons are there, some of the stories are there to teach us that. But we must also learn to use the stories of the Bible to see how they point ahead to Jesus Christ and how they teach God's people the principles of redemption. 
Okay. The commentary that I'm writing on the Book of Life will do a lot of that and will help you to do that. But you're able to do it as well. It's not an esoteric priestly function that only certain people can see. I mean, all of us should be able to discern in the stories of the Bible how the way of salvation is being taught and preparation being made for the coming Savior. Now, as your um, children get older, or as you and your wife are older, um, the use of catechisms I've recommended to you as well. We have on their back table in bright yellow a catechism for young children. This is a uh, severe abbreviation. Severe is not a good word there. It's, a, it's an abbreviation, quite an abbreviation, but it's a good one, of the shorter catechism of the Westminster Standards. And um, those of you who have your children at Newport Christian Schools, you know that in the kindergarten program we have a similar thing. In fact, it was taken from this with some modification, um, the Catechism for Young Children. This is really easy to use around the table, either with a Bible story or it may be that this is what you concentrate on in certain days. You can teach your children. I'll just give you an example of how it begins. The first one is, who made you? Your children, you know, at two years old can answer that question. They'll get used to hearing the words and knowing what it's about and answers God. What else did God make? God made all things. Okay, and from there, one question leads to another. It's interesting how natural the transitions are throughout. And you're going you're gonna to be real surprised. You'll find, as I did, that you have four-year-old children defining regeneration for you and sanctification. How many, of, how many of you parents have gone through that? Who can give me the definition of sanctification? Sanctification is, Bob? Oh, it's great definition. It's God's making sinners holy in heart and conduct. You see, and, you, and then as with the Bible stories, stop and explain these questions. There is no value to our children learning big words that they don't understand and don't see how they tie in. Okay, so you want to focus on each part of that. Let's just take sanctification. Sanctification is God's making sinners holy. First of all, it's God's work. It's God's power that's exercised graciously for us, and we must rely upon him for it. You want to teach your children that. You can say that. It's God's making sinners. That's the condition we're found in, unclean and guilty before him. He takes sinners, and he makes them holy, but he makes them holy not only in our outward conduct, but in their heart as well. And you want to teach your children from that question that it is not good enough simply to go about making an outward appearance of, of godliness, that we must love God from our heart, and that's why we obey him. We don't obey simply in order to avoid punishment. We obey him because we love him. Okay, so you can take these little questions and answers. Now have your children memorize them. And as with most good memory programs, you need to do a lot of review. Because what happens is the human mind, we have high school seniors that haven't caught on to this yet. The human mind is kind of like a computer disk, you know. It holds only so much in active memory. And uh, if you don't make use of that material, what, what your mind will do is just, it will dump that and we'll put something else in its place. And so if you have your kids memorize questions one and two, you know, for one day and then three and four and so forth, and you never go back, what will happen is you'll find they usually have about two questions or four questions at a time in their mind. And so you want to keep going back. You know, you do three or four, then you go back and review at the end of the week, all four of those, and on and on. Okay. When your children have finished the catechism for young children, um, don't wait 
very long, don't wait a week or a month, but immediately start them on another catechetical series. They'll think there's no end to these questions that can be asked. <laughs> but I, I dare say when they get older, uh, this theology will come back to them, will help them a great deal. It may seem like it doesn't come out of anything natural in the life of the family or in their experience, but later on they're going to be asking questions about the nature of God as triune or the deity of Jesus or um, salvation by grace and so forth. Then their catechetical instruction will come back to them. Move on to the shorter catechism, and uh, some of you will want to use the scripture proofs, and some will say maybe that's a step beyond, but uh, do get your children in the shorter catechism. And I, what I would say here is what I'd say about the, uh, the younger one as well. Same thing, just on different levels. And then if they get through the shorter catechism, what are you going to do? You're going to go to the larger catechism, right? Now you're going to say, oh, come on. No one does that today. You're absolutely right. No one does that today. But we're going to change all that. In this congregation, we're going to start pushing the larger catechism and its value. And I'm doing that with some of the adults that are lagging behind who never had the advantage of uh, being pushed in the catechism or perhaps even covenant homes. And so in my theology class, we're using the larger catechism as our um, foundational text. Uh, it would really be wonderful if a few years from now I got word back from some of you, we have moved through these catechisms and we are now using the larger catechism in our home. Where will I find all of these? Right here in this book, right here. The Westminster Standards have not only the confession but the larger <clears throat> and the shorter catechisms and uh, printed very nicely. And all of these things are on the back table. My time's getting short, so let me move ahead real quickly. How about those of you who um, do not have children in the home or you've gone through the catechisms and um, you don't want to go back to the Voss uh, picture Bible, the story Bible here, what do you do? Well, there, first of all, uh, you're going to find that devotions, the family's worship, can proceed very well simply by you choosing a book of the Bible and reading through it. You don't always have to have supplementary aids or guides, such as the ones we've been looking at this morning. In fact, it would be good if in your family you made a point of not relying entirely upon such things. Uh, for two or three months out of the year, you know, go and say, we're going to work through um, the book of Ephesians. Okay, now, if you have small children, you're going to have to be patient and you're going to have to work hard to explain the book of Ephesians. Well, that's a good challenge to you because that means you're going to have to understand it. Very hard to teach things that you don't, you know, understand either. Uh, but take a book of the Bible. Uh, if you go through Proverbs, you're not going to be able to go through paragraph by paragraph after chapter 9 uh, because it starts breaking into little ones. But uh, do not set for yourself ahead of time this, uh, this notion we're going to read a chapter a day no matter what. I really would uh, guard against that. Read what is a logical portion of literature. In the book of Proverbs, it may be two verses. And you may have to stop and talk about its application and pray about how you fall short of being wise in that particular way. Um, in another portion of the Bible, say Second Kings, you may want to read more than a chapter. And you finally get from beginning to end of something that you think hangs together as a thought or a particular theological point. So do go to the Bible and use it in your family devotions. However, for those of you who are older um, and are looking for other supplements, so you're not simply reading the Bible, um, I would suggest even more than picking up on things like um, Daily Bread or I forget the titles of these. There are a, new, a number of um, 
devotional series that you can get. They, they tend to be, there are some days where they, they help me as well. I'm not trying to be, you know, in an ivory tower, but to be honest with you, most of that material tends to be so watery that um, you're going to want more. I hope you're going to want more than just that. And so I would suggest you pick up, and I took as an example two books by E.J. Young, Expositions of Portion of Scripture. I didn't think of this. Doug has on the back table, I think, a copy or two of Jay Adams' uh, uh, discussion of Romans 12, How to Overcome Evil. There are books that are written in layman's language, very easy to understand, and yet are profound in what they're presenting. Genesis 3, I'll be very honest with you, very early in my life, um, I think I was probably a freshman or sophomore in high school, uh, became a real turning point for my outlook theologically. Uh, I was able to pick this up, and what I did is I read a chapter a day. What he does is he goes through the verses of Genesis 3 and expounds what the verse means and theological significance of it and also some practical application for our lives. Um, pick up Genesis 3 and try this. I think you'll find that uh, it's, it's easy, but it's also very rewarding to get involved in uh, some heavy-duty theology based on the Word of God. Um, Psalm 139 is another exposition by Young that's in the same style. Um, J. Adams has a couple of things. How to overcome evil is a good exposition of Romans 12. In addition to biblical exposition that um, you would be able to handle at the breakfast table and don't have to um, have advanced education to understand, there are things like J. Gresham Machen's radio talks. Now, because they were radio talks, you understand, they were aimed at an audience that isn't just seminarians. And um, I'm trying to think. The Christian View of Man is the second in a series of radio talks that he did, and the Christian Faith in the Modern World is the first in that series. I'm not sure if we have them on the back table, do we? Oh, good. We do have the Christian View of Man, and so some of you may want to take a look at that. Um, so the literature is there. Um, you have the instruction. You have an outline of what you should do. The only thing lacking in most cases is discipline. And I'm going to be praying for you. Tomorrow starts a new day. You're going to discipline yourselves, and we're all going to have devotions together. I'm going to be checking up on it. Do you have any questions about uh, the literature that I presented or doing family worship together? Okay, John? Uh, if they are available on tape, I'm not aware of them. Uh, they are in print form. Um, you can find some sermons by Machen as well that are equally readable and uh, quite spiritually edifying. Now, what happens when you've gone through all the books that I've talked about? You say, well, no more family devotions, huh? Now, by that time, I think you will have gotten used to this literature, and you'll be able to go into a Christian bookstore and look for the kind of thing that we're talking about. But if you still feel uh, like you'd like some advice, that's why you have elders. That's why there are shepherds in this church. And if you call any of your elders, you call the pastors, we've got all sorts of things we can go on to recommend. But this is just to get you started. I want to make sure that everyone, after we pray, goes back and picks up, if you don't already have what you need at home, picks up the literature you need, and the catechisms in particular, and starts to make use of them. We're going to um, take a short break after I pray, 
and not only are you going to pick up the literature, but we need some men to set up tables for our supper and sing. We need to do it fairly efficiently today because we have some guests here to sing for us that have been promised they can leave after a certain time. And so during, during our time of supper and sing, we'll have the vocal ensemble from Newport Christian High School singing. We'll do a few favorites, and we're also going to have a brief devotional um, that I'm going to bring to you. And I know you'll be hungry, so I'll keep it short, but stick around and enjoy the fellowship afterwards. Let's pray. Father, do take our good intentions and turn them into obedience, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.